front of us as we look at God's word together. Now, in life, we all face storms. You know what I mean by a storm? Something that is devastating, something that can be sudden, something that can be unexpected, or something that we can see coming. And storms leave a trail of destruction. They are unpredictable, they are disorientating, they are painful, they're confusing. But as we come into this next section of the book of Jonah, we see that he is in the middle of a storm. And as we look at him in the storm, we're going to see some lessons that we can learn when we go through our storms. Now, as we come to this, Jonah is in a very specific storm for a very specific reason. Yeah, that's why he's there. And so these things we need to be careful with apply into ourselves. I mean, careful to say, well, he's in that storm for this reason. My storm might be for a different reason. But there are principles here that I hope that we can help uh, to apply to our lives, whatever the situation we're in. And maybe this morning you're not in a storm. Maybe you're in that, uh, in a time of peace and calm. But the reality is, in the world that we're in, it's only a matter of time until we experience some kind of storm, some kind of turmoil. And so we need to ask God's help and wisdom as we face it, as we prepare ourselves for it. So whether we're in it or we're not, Let's see how God can help us in the storms. Here's um, three things for us to think about about storms this morning. The first is this. Storms can be a warning. Storms can be a warning. Now, a quick recap on the story of Jonah so far. We only looked at the first four verses last week. Jonah had an instruction from God. Do you remember what it was in verse 2? Arise, go to Nineveh. He's been called by God to go to the enemies. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was the big superpower of the time and God's people's enemies. They were cruel, they were brutal, they were scary, they were big, they were powerful. And God said, Jonah, the evil of the Ninevites has come before me. I've seen it. You need to go and tell them about my judgment that's coming. And unless you go, you need to warn them so they can turn so they can repent. And we saw that Jonah heard very clearly what God asked him to do and did totally the opposite. Instead of going to Nineveh, he ended up, verse 3, he went the opposite direction to Tarshish. He was going to southern Spain and he was going totally against what God wanted. And the reason was, we see in chapter 4, he didn't want the Ninevites to turn to God. He didn't want them to be forgiven. He says in chapter 4, I know that you're a gracious God. I know that you're loving. And that's why I didn't want to go. I didn't want them, I don't want them to turn to you. So Jonah, with this hate towards the Ninevites, went the opposite direction. He ran far away from where God wanted him. And last week we saw, just like Jonah, we can run from where God wants us. God can ask us to be doing something or saying something, or living in a certain way, or not living in a certain way, and we just go in the opposite direction. We don't end up doing what he's doing, and we can be on the run from God. We say, no, thank you, God. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something totally different. And in one way, running away from God is a way that describes every single human, because we go our own way. God wants us to follow him, to trust him, And instead, we say, no, I'm going to do my own thing. So another word for it could be sin. You could say that running away from God is a good description of what sin is. Something that we all do. We go our own way and we wander from him. And so we left Jonah last week running away from God on a boat 
to Tarshish. But God hadn't given up on Jonah. God didn't say, Jonah, that's it, you've had it. Verse 4 tells us, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. God sent a storm in order to work in Jonah's heart and in his life. See, Jonah walks away from God, but God doesn't walk away from Jonah. God sends the storm. Now, just to pause for a moment there, this can be a really hard thing for us to struggle with that God can send something that is hard and uncomfortable into our lives for a greater purpose than we realize. You see, if God is in control, as we believe the Bible teaches, if he is sovereign, then all things are part of his plan. All things that come into our life are part of God's good plan. And that is something that is hard. And I know as you're sitting there this morning, that can be saying, I just don't understand this. And there's no simple answer to it. But the other option is this, that God isn't in control and there's things that are more powerful than him and there is no hope at all in our storm. See, God is good and he loves you. And this morning I pray that as we think about our storm that we're going through, that we'll be aware of his love and purpose for us in a storm. We're not just at the mercy of a random storm, but a God who can use it for our good and for his glory. I wanted us to think about this morning, this first thing, that storms can be a warning. But this doesn't apply in every single situation. So Tim Keller's got a little book about um, Jonah, and he makes this point in his book that I think is worth pausing on. He says this, every act of disobedience to God has a storm attached to it. Every act of disobedience to God has a storm attached to it. So God has designed the world in a particular way that we should follow him in the way that he has designed us. And if we go in his way and follow his path, that's the way things work best. He is the designer, and if we do things in the way that the designer intends, then life, that's the way we're to live best. That is living wisely, that is living well. But if we go against him in his ways, we're going against the grain of the universe, as it were. We're going against the God who made us, against the design, the way we should use things. And so as a result of that, there is things that are broken. There is a mess. Things start to fall apart. There's chaos. So can you see, the first thing you need to realize is every act of disobedience from God, when we go away from him, there can be a storm attached to it. And it's really important to say this. Not every difficulty in our lives is because of sin. Is that, can you please hear that? Not every difficulty in our lives is because of sin. But every sin will bring difficulty. Can we see the important difference there? Sin is going against the natural order, the, against God's ways. And if we go against him, we dehumanize ourselves. We are made to follow God, made to flourish in his presence and follow his ways. That's how we were designed. Just like a train is meant to be on the tracks, not off the tracks, that's how we're designed. Just as you watch a Formula One car flies around um, the course, if you try and do that up a mountain on a gravel track, it wouldn't work because it was designed in a specific way. We are designed in a specific way to follow God, to follow his ways. And if we don't follow him, things fall apart. So when we look at that and we look at the world around us, we see that, don't we? If we keep on putting ourselves and our loves and our needs before other people, if we keep being selfish, what happens to relationships all around us? They fall apart. That works on a kind of small level but we see that in our nationally as well, don't we? Society falls apart 
if we all just look after our own interests and don't care about other people. Because God created us to love one another, to love our neighbor. If you treat your body badly and don't um, look after it, what will happen? Well, it'll begin to fall apart because we were made to follow Him and His ways. How our health deteriorates and falls apart if we just ignore um, wise choices. So if we go against God and His ways, chaos ensues. There is a storm attached to sin. Now, the thing with storms and sin is they're not always instant. In the same way that uh, if you think of radiation poisoning. Now, radiation poisoning doesn't, if you, have, if you are poisoned by radiation, it's not something that happens straight away. It's something that is gradual, that takes time. And the same way when we go against God's ways, when we think we know what's best, just slowly, like a radiation poisoning, it'll, it'll kill us. So we'll slowly deteriorate. And when we look at the effects of the world, can we see what's happening here? We get caught up in it. Jonah was fleeing from God. He was being sin- that is being sinful, going against what God wanted. But the sailors in this boat, they haven't gone against God's ways, have they? they? But they were caught up in it. Because of one person's actions, they were all caught up in it all. And that can be the same with us when we look at the world around us. There are messy situations that we get caught up in, and it's not always because of a result of our sin, but it could be somebody else's failure or messing or messing up. We get caught up in it. And that's what we see all around us, a web of mess upon mess, sin upon sin, disobedience against God, and we are in a mess as we are. So here's the warning today. There's a warning as we start. Are you running from God? Like we asked last week. Are you going against what he wants for you? Deliberately going against him. Are you harboring a sin in your heart? Something you know is wrong and God is saying stop. Or is there something that you are not doing that God is calling you to do? And we're saying, God, I'm going to go my own way. The warning for us this morning, just like with Jonah, is that that, um, sin is destructive. It'll tear us apart. But God this morning says, I want to warn you. I want to warn you about where you're headed. Look at the trajectory of where that's going. And stop. Come back to me. Turn back to me, he says. Because God in his love can, can send the storm to wake us up and to bring us back to him and to show us how serious sin is. Sin leaves us exposed and in danger. But God says, I am your refuge. Come to me. I can be your shelter in the midst of the storm. So the first thing we need to see this morning is this. Storms can be a warning. And remember the difference. Not every difficulty in our life is because of sin. But when we sin, there will come difficulty with it. So the second thing we're going to look at is this. Storms can be warning, but also storms are full of love. Now, God loves us too much to let us destroy ourselves and go keep wandering away from him to destruction. He wants to bring us back. And the reason God hurls this storm is because he wants to show Jonah grace and love. He's not given up on Jonah but he's coming after him. So throughout the Bible, we see that's the heart of God. God always makes the first move. You think of the Garden of Eden, the story there of Adam and Eve, they go against God, but what happens? God comes. He says, Adam, where are you? He comes looking. 
Then you see Noah, he comes and speaks to Noah. For Abraham, he comes and speaks to Abraham. And the story keeps on going. God is always chasing after the lost. And ultimately, we see that in Jesus, don't we? God comes down from heaven to save and rescue. He doesn't wait for us to reach him, but he comes to us. And God loves us too much to let us keep on wandering away from him. So in this boat, Jonah is there, fast asleep, and God sees the danger he's in, and so he wants to wake him up. And what does he do? He hurls this storm to wake him up. Now, sometimes when we're in a trial or a storm, there is because of a mess that we've created, it can show us things about ourselves that no other circumstance or situation would have shown us. It shows us how far we've drifted, and it can wake us up. Because here is Jonah fast asleep, not aware of the danger he's in, and God wants to say, come on, Jonah, you're in big danger here. I wonder today if God in his kindness is showing you, you've been wandering, you've been drifting from him, and something has come into your life and it's suddenly woken you up to say, oh, I need you, Jesus, and I didn't realize. Or something has shown you something about yourself that you wouldn't have seen any other way. Today, we need to see that the storms that God puts in our lives are storms that are full of love and mercy because he loves us so much. He wants to see us, see him as the greatest uh, person you can know. As I said earlier, imagine the trajectory of your life if you keep on wandering. God says, come back, come back, and he'll do whatever it takes to win us back. I wonder if God has shown you that today and he's saying, I haven't given up on you. I'm not letting you wander anymore. Come back, hear his voice today and come back to him. Remember last week we saw that God's word came to Jonah and he said, verse 2, arise, get up. Instead of that, Jonah went down. And we see that word down. He keeps going down, further and further down. But here God is saying again, arise, get up. It's interesting that that's the same word that the captain of the ship says. You know, arise, get up. He kind of echoes the words of God and says, Jonah, what are you doing? But God in his love, wants to help him. God in his love is saying, look, come back. Come back to me. Now, John White was a missionary in Bolivia uh, many years ago now, uh, and his first child was born, and, and his child was born in, in Bolivia and, and couldn't walk. And so for the first year, uh, this child's leg was in, were in splints. When the child was one year old, um, the splints were taken off, and uh, the child started to run around and began to walk, but inevitably, this child, as they often do when they're starting to learn to walk, fell, and his chin was split open, and there's this huge gash under his chin. Now, they were far away from civilization in Bolivia. Uh, there was no um, uh, hospital for them to go to. Uh, the only surgical equipment that John White has was eyebrow tweezers and a household needle and thread. And there was no way of relieving this child's pain, but he knew he had to do something because this gash was so big. And this is how he wrote about it. He said this, My firm hands gripped his tiny form as I inflicted what must have seemed like unbelievable pain on my terrified son. To say my heart was breaking sounds sentimental, yet his pain was my pain. I agonized over his ordeal as I gripped his tender skin with eyebrow tweezers and brutally jabbed a sewing needle again and again into his chin. And we look back and think, why is that? You know, the child is thinking, what are you doing? Why this pain? But John White, um, well, we, he could see there was a greater purpose that he had to do this to fix this child, to look after him, to save him. 
Now, is there in your life now something that God is showing you about yourself? And it's not nice to see, but unless he shows you that, you're going to be lost. You're going to be drifting far from him. Maybe today God is saying, come back. Come back to me. Stop running and come back. Now, the storm here is full of love to Jonah. But as well, this storm is, is a loving thing for these sailors that they're going through. Because look, they're all, we're told in verse 5, these sailors, these mariners were afraid. And they were crying out to their God. And they were hurling cargo that was in the ship to lighten the load because the, the ship was going to break up. They knew that there was something unusual about this storm. These were sailors who were probably very well experienced. They knew this route, and they would have thought this was out of season. There's not normally storms like this at this time. You know, we, this is something bigger that's going on. And so they're crying out, verse 5, do you see what we're told? They were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They didn't know where to run. They don't know where to turn. They were lost, and they were crying out. And the shocking thing is this that has really jumped out to me this week. Who has the answer to where they can turn in the storm? Who's got the answer? It's Jonah. And where is he? Fast asleep. Fast asleep. There they are, totally lost, crying out to any God they can think of, and the one with the answer is fast asleep. They are going through this storm that isn't their fault, but because they're part of the mess and we're connected in this world, and, and when we run away from God, there is storms that are attached to it. Because they're involved in his storm, they're facing these terrifying things and they don't know where to turn. You know, in our world today, don't we see people who are facing storms in life and they are terrified and they don't know where to turn and they don't know who to turn to or where to ask and they are lost. And so they will turn anywhere to any gods. It might not be idols like this, but it could be drink or drugs. It could be um, shopping or food. It could be the going to the seance or the clairvoyant to find out, just to try and find some kind of hope. And they're running around in, in such darkness and, and scared. And who's got the answer? Who's got the hope that people need? Well, isn't it us? The church. We've got Jesus. And he's the one who can help. He's the one who can provide answers. He's the one who can strengthen in the midst of their darkness. He's the one who can bring light and hope and help. And we've got the answer. And the question is for us today, are we just sleeping while the world is lost? Let's pray that God would revive us and stir our hearts to be able to hold out the message of hope to those around us. See, notice here that the sailors cast lots, don't they? They, they're wondering what's going on. Why is this unpredictable storm on us now? Verse 7, come, let us cast lots that we might know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots. They might have been pulling straws. They might have had names on a stick. They might have rolled a dice. I'm not sure how they did it, but there was some way that they were going to find out whose evil it was. And God, in control of even the lots, made it point out that it was Jonah, verse, eight, verse 7. The lot fell on him. And so they wake him up and they say, oh, tell us uh, who you are. Where are you from? What's your country? What people are you? What's going on here, Jonah? What are you doing? And they have to ask him. He's cornered, and then he's forced into saying, verse 8 to 9, he says, um, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He's kind of forced into the corner, and then he said. You know, as a church and as a Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, you have got a message of glorious 
that the creator of the earth, the one who knows everybody and knows all things, the one who sees the need we have and sent someone to save and rescue us, the one who sent the Lord Jesus to die on the cross so we could be forgiven, the one who comes and says, I want to uh, forgive you now and help you forever. He's come. He's the answer. He's the one who says, look, you don't have to turn to other idols or other gods. You don't have to turn anywhere else for comfort because I'm the comfort you need. I'm the help. I'm the one who can give you. I'm the one who can give you hope and help now and forever. He's given us those answers to help us in the struggles and the pain of life. And the challenge for us is this morning, are we a bit like Jonah? Comfortable, kind of sleepy, hidden away, where people are saying, what is it? How many of you ever had the experience where somebody who doesn't trust in Jesus kind of forced you into a corner a bit like Jonah and said, come on, what is it you believe? And wonderfully, God has provided a a chance for you to speak when, when you were a bit too scared to speak. Well, let's pray this week that God would give us opportunities to tell other people about the hope that we have and about Jesus and the one who can help us in our storms. See, the storm was full of love, not just for Jonah, but also for the the, the sailors, for the mariners as well. Because by waking Jonah up, he could then point them to the God, the true God of heaven, not the false gods they were turning to. As C.S. Lewis said, you know, about suffering is God's megaphone to rouse, to waken a deaf world. And so often when we face the darkness and the struggles of life, suddenly we start to think about God in a way that no other circumstance would have brought. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been put in situations and the struggles or storms of life and you think, it suddenly makes you ask the question, well, what is, who is God? What is he like? Do I need him? I can't do this on my own. And maybe God has brought you here today to say, look, turn to him today. Turn to him. He invites you to be part of it and to be, to be forgiven. So are you in a storm this morning? Maybe you can see that you're turning to the wrong place. Maybe you can see that you're turning to places that don't help you. God in his love is saying, I'm the true God. I'm the refuge. I'm the strength you need. And maybe you're a Christian this morning, and you're in a storm, and you can see that it's bringing you back. It's brought you back to him. And the storm is saying to you this morning, I love you too much to let you wander. Won't you come back? I'm not giving up on you. The storm is a warning, but the storms are also loving. The third and the final thing is this. Storms are exposing. Storms are exposing. Jonah is very reluctant to show his face, isn't he here? He's sleeping. He's hiding away. They corner him and they say, come on, tell us who you are. And then eventually he comes out with that phrase in verse 9. I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, notice this. He, he said the right things, but he wasn't living it, was he? he? He could say the right answer. He could probably pass a theological test, but the reality was he wasn't living it. He was trying to escape the presence of God, and then he says, yeah, God is the God of the sea and the dry land. <laughs> There's nowhere where he isn't. But yet he's saying, I'm trying to flee his presence. Now, here is somebody who said one thing, but was living in a totally other way. And this storm kind of exposed what he really believed and what he really uh, was living for. And when storms and trials come in our life, they have got a power to expose and show what we really believe. They can show what we're really trusting in. So this is a good opportunity to ask, isn't it, now for each one of us to say, am I living in a way that is consistent with what I say I believe? 
If I believe that God is the God who is in control of all things, the God who loves me and who is for me and not against me, am I living that out? The God who says, follow me and my ways are best, am I living that out? Is how I'm living backed up uh, by what I believe, or what I believe backed up with how I'm living? And because often when the pressure comes, when the storms come, what we really believe is shown. Whatever we say we believe, what we really believe is shown. So our worries can come out, can't they? Our idols, what we're turning to for comfort and help in the trials. Our temper can be shown. Our tendency to lie or exaggerate. And we see these things, uh, the storms of life, show us things in our life that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Places we've been relying on, things we've been relying on instead of him. And God in his mercy wants to show us that and say, look, look what you're trusting in. It's not working. Turn and trust in me. Isn't it interesting to see when Jesus was under pressure, when we look at the greater Jonah, as we'll look at in a moment as well, he was under extreme pressure on the cross. When this storm came around him of the cross, what did we see about the Lord Jesus? Who was he concerned about? Well, he looked out from the cross, and instead of himself, what was he seeing? He saw his mother. As we said to John, you know, look, look after her. Here, woman, here's your son. Here's your mother. When he was looking at people who were hurling abuse at him, spitting at him, nailing him to the cross, what does he say? He's not bitter. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When he was put under the pressure of the cross and what he faced there, what poured out of him was love and integrity. We see him there quoting scripture. That's what came out of him when he was under pressure. Now, when we face the storms, what does it show about our heart? It's challenging, isn't it? And we realize, oh Lord, I fail in so many of these areas. But God in his love wants to show us that instead of leaving us where we are. So storms are a warning. Storms are loving. Storms are exposing. But the final thing I want us to just think about in the last section, verses 11 to 16, is to see how Jonah points us to the greater Jonah, Jesus Christ. See, this storm that Jonah was facing was one of God's judgment, wasn't it? He was in this storm because of the consequences of his disobedience. Because he'd gone against God, he was now in this storm. And the men want to know, well, what can we do? The ship is breaking up. We've tried throwing out cargo and nothing's happening. And they say, what shall we do to you, verse 11, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah says, look, this is the judgment I deserve. I'm the one who's failed here. And so throw me into the judgment of God. And if I go, you'll be safe. Otherwise, we all die. And so Jonah, at first the men say, no way, we're not doing that. And so they try and row their way out of it, but they are getting nowhere. And so they do as Jonah said. They pick him up and they hurl him into the judgment of God. And the storm overwhelms Jonah and then the sea is calm. The men are saved. And Jonah sinks down. He gave his life, as it were, so that they could be saved. He took the judgment so that they could be free. I'll take the wrath of the storm, he says, so that you can live. And I will die. I will be a substitute. I will die 
so that you don't have to. And when the men saw this, verse 16, what happens? They feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now, we don't know exactly what they believed, but it does look a lot like they they are changed. They have seen something about this God. They've seen something about him through Jonah, and they are now turning and, and trusting and looking to the Lord rather than the other gods. Now, remember, Jesus in Matthew 12 tells us that he's the greater Jonah. I'm I'm better than him. So you look at Jonah, you'll learn things about me because I'll show you a better way. And when we put that together with Jesus, do you see what we get? Jonah was thrown into God's judgment, but he deserved it. Jesus, the greater Jonah, he on the cross said, I will take the judgment that you deserve for all of your rebellion, for all of your mess, all those decisions that we make that end up in chaos. He said, I will take the consequence for them, the ultimate consequence. I will take the judgment. I will take your hell. Let me be kind of enveloped. Let me be swallowed up by the storm so that you can be free, so that you don't have to face the judgment you deserve. So on the cross, Jesus took the blame for all our wrong. He was thrown into the storm of God's judgment so that we could be forgiven. He took the wrath of God for us. Now, I know as we look at this morning and the, the theme of the storms and why Jonah's in it, it can be such a challenge because we think, well, well, I failed there. I'm in this mess because of that storm. I'm, I'm in, facing this storm because of that mess. I, I, I've been exposed to what I really believe, I, my anger, my, my, um, my idols, all these things, and I feel terrible. I feel rubbish. They can drag us down into guilt and shame. But let's not stay there because the greater Jonah shows us this. Jesus looks at us and said, I am willing to go to the cross for all of your failure. I am willing to take the judgment because I love you so much. And that is why I want you to come back this morning. That is why I want you to turn to me, because I love you so much. Jonah was a loved failure. And this morning it reminds us that we're all failures, but God loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus took that storm so we could be forgiven. And then when we remember that, in the midst of our storms, we can hold on to God's love and care that he won't let us go. He will never abandon us because Jesus was abandoned in our place. He will always be there for us. He's taken that judgment we deserve so that we can know the heaven that he deserves. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm, the, the one that proves that he loves us, the one that he proves he won't let us down. And one that reminds us that the sto- any storm we face, we can face with his loving care and attention. The cross shows us, doesn't it, how dangerous sin is. The cross shows us how deeply you're loved. And the cross shows us that he can help you to live this life of integrity, a life that matches up what we believe by the power of Jesus, by the power of the cross. So this morning, how are you doing in the midst of your storm? Look to Jesus. He wants to help you. He won't let you down and he has a purpose that we don't understand right now but as jesus took that storm he keeps us trusting in the one who loves us trusting in the one who won't let us down and the one who won't walk away from you let's pray together before we sing our last song father we pray that you would help us in the midst of our storms to trust you father we pray that in the midst of our confusion and misunderstanding so often about what you're doing that we would know your deep care and protection for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the greater Jonah, the one who gave his all for us, the one who took the storm that we deserve for our wandering so that we could be welcomed in 
uh, to the family of God. And I thank you, Lord, that many of us can say today, together this morning, that we are yours. And we pray for those who might not yet know you here today, that they would know and trust in the one who gave his life for them. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.